Hello and welcome to New Cultural Podcast, episode 76. My name is David, and with me are Bo. Hello, hello. I'm here, here every week. <laughs> and we also have a special guest with us, uh, Robert. Hi, how are we doing? Robert is joining us from uh, the Star Trek versus Star Wars.net website, and uh, I, for one, am very excited. Thank you very much for joining us, Robert. No, thank you for having me. The, re- the reason I, con- I contacted Robert about joining us on, the sh- on this episode was because uh, the contest of, contest of champions for this episode is one that Bo and I discussed in a previous episode with uh, wouldn't it be cool if the Millennium Falcon fought the Defiant in like a ship-to-ship battle. And uh, as a, a big fan of uh, Star Trek versus Star Wars dot net, I, just, I actually went on there to do a bit of research. It's like, okay, well, let's have a look at what the Falcon can do and that sort of stuff. And then I just... I th- I had the genius idea, if I do say so myself, of actually contacting Robert himself and saying, hey, who do you think would win? And then we sort of got got to talking, and now here he is. Um, Robert, if you could just uh, just let the listeners know a little bit about yourself and, um, and your website that I mentioned, and we'll go from there. Uh, as far as the website, st-v-sw.net, started in about 2002-ish. Basically, as far as why it exists, <laughs> sometimes I ask myself, um... <laughs> It's my attempt to pretend I have a lot of free time. Basically, I, in person, encountered someone who uh, just started saying uh, all sorts of arguments in relation to the whole Star Trek versus Star Wars idea. And he starts saying all this stuff about Star Wars, and, I mean, most of it didn't really sound accurate to me. Hmm. And I did some research and happened upon some other websites uh, that were out there, and I didn't really find any that seemed... um, more on the factual side of things and uh uh, eventually i just got to the point where i decided to fill that vacuum myself so that's where that came from um as far as me not too much to tell uh not too much that i would want to tell given some of the other people i've encountered online over the years so (laughs) give us us just enough information to reverse engineer your gmail account yes uh, (laughs) your pet's name your mother's maiden name (laughs) But then, what do you, what's what's your day job? Like, what do you do? What do you do on a daily basis? I work in telecommunications these days. I I only ask because I'm you know I'm just trying I'm trying to figure out if that has any correlation with sort of the math and the, the physics of what you do on the on the website, which is like actually you know figuring out who would win in a battle between Star Trek and Star Wars. You know, you have like very detailed you know engineering specs and and things for the. For the ships and and the ground troops and and all the different aspects of how they would actually battle. That's just pure unadulterated nerdiness. <laughs> oh, really? So, well, you, so you don't actually have an engineering background? Uh, not really. No. Um, wow. Uh, actually, truth be told, my uh, uh, collegiate years, I was uh, doing philosophy uh, <laughs> with the intent of uh, aiming toward law, preferably constitutional law, things of that nature. That's awesome. Um, so that's why Picard's your favorite captain, huh? <laughs> so, you, so it started with a conversation with that with that unnamed person, but you also you spend quite a bit of time on uh, the message boards of the time. Oh, that was that was the old days of yeah. uh, the the news groups and Usenet and whatnot. Um, <laughs> yeah, I spent entirely too much uh, time on that sort of thing. Yeah. I've come to the point now where I recognize it as 
to some extent, a waste of time. Another part of why the website exists was simply so I didn't have to repeat myself all the time. Mm. You can explore some ideas there with people and, and bounce things back and forth in the somewhat adversarial system that often uh, exists in such a setting. Mm-hmm. But uh, to, to some extent, I, I feel like I lose time actually creating anything on the website by doing that. So I have pulled back from that uh, over time. Okay. I've sort of gone on to some of these sort of uh, forums and stuff like that as well. And do you find that sort of Star Wars fans are maybe just a tad more rabid than Star Trek fans? I think it can go both ways. But the whole, the whole so, argument I mean, of Star Wars versus Star Trek is not, not all that new, is it? I mean, there's, there's more, than, more than your website. There's other websites out there and stuff. And, uh, I mean, this is okay. a, the eternal okay. argument. I mean, I remember having this argument with, with my mum when I was younger. <laughs> she was very pro Star Trek and I was very pro Star Wars and it's like there's just no way Star Trek could win. I don't I would think the stereotype would be the would be the opposite though, that Star Trek fans are usually more uh rabid than uh than Star Wars fans. I don't know why, I just feel like that's more the stereotype. Is no, that I, Star I, just, Trek? I think I think Star Trek fans are are just a little bit calmer. I think that uh well Robert would know the best, but I feel like as far as just the stereotype goes yeah. Star Wars is more socially acceptable amongst non-nerds than Star Trek is. Like, pretty much, if you really enjoy Star Trek, like, more than the average person, yeah. you're considered a nerd amongst, you know, regular people. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I, I don't know, I just feel like, I feel like the stereotype is, is Star Wars is more socially accepted, although it's not as good, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> not touching that one. Not touching that one. Um, I would say you've got the same level of uh, extreme geeky behavior. I mean, you've got the very awesome uh, 501st yeah. uh, Star Wars uh, fan club. Mm. And, I mean, they are hardcore on getting the uniforms right and all of this. And they're cool. You know, I yeah. mean, people think they're cool. At the same time, you've got uh, Starfleet International, you know, fan club and whatnot. You've got, uh, you know, people that dress up in the Star Trek uniforms. Uh, I'm sure, you know, if you've seen Trekkies, you've got people who uh, actually will wear that getup out in public. And that, I mean, certainly if you're out in public as a stormtrooper versus out in public as a uh, Vulcan, you know, if someone walks up on, they're going to be like, okay, you're cool and you're weird. <laughs> and... <laughs> It is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> as far as you know, which fan base is more more rabid? Yeah. Like I said, I think you can get that on both sides. But Star Trek, philosophically, I would expect or I would hope, uh, in most cases, that you know the people are going to be a little more willing to agree to disagree on mm. things. Star Trek is usually a little more shade of gray sort of diplomatic. Thing. Uh, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I don't actually. I don't have this in the in the show notes, but I'm going to put you on the spot, Robert. Please rank all the Star Wars movies in preference of best to worst. Oh god! Ooh, then I'm going to do the same thing to you, bro. Oh, I'm just going to go with the same order that he does. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. Um, I actually have not really ranked them individually, but. Phantom Menace is going to be somewhere near the bottom. Um, uh, Revenge of the Sith, I like most of it, but honestly, the transition from Anakin being, you know, the good guy to suddenly, all right, well, I'll just be Darth Vader now, was um, not my 
favorite way of handling it, I think is the best way to put it. Yeah. So let's say six, four, two, three, somewhere in there together with five in between, whichever one wins out on those two, and uh, one at the bottom. Wow, controversies. Return of the Jedi better than Empire Strikes Back. I'm sorry. You put, you put five You put five in the <laughs> middle there. Five. Yeah, I got my fives and my sixes backwards. <laughs> uh, Bo, are you? I would think that uh, Empire would be number one, two, Return of the Jedi, and then this is where it all gets fuzzy after that. <laughs> I, yeah. I definitely think the Phantom Menace is the worst. Poor Phantom Menace. It's the worst of a good lot. Yeah, right. That's, yeah, that's yeah. the thing. It's the it's the worst of of good movies. I actually know plenty of people who think that Phantom Menace is actually the better one, but they're all young people, so they're all young, but much younger than me, which didn't grow up, who didn't grow up with the original series, and they think one is the best. Yeah, and that's and that makes perfect sense. It was designed for the children of that generation. Yeah, I wonder if my if I had asked my younger sister what her list would be. <laughs> so that would be last. <laughs> A New Hope is important. I, you know, it's kind of setting up. But it's probably, I would say, maybe third. And then Attack of the Clones and, um, and Revenge of the Sith. All right, cool. All right. So, four, and f- so, so four, and four is Attack of the Clones and five is, is um, Revenge of the Sith. All right. I can't get behind A New Hope being behind Return of the Jedi. <laughs> well, then you'll like, like my one then. You'll like my one then because I'll go five, four, six, three, two, one. Five, four, six. That sounds about Cool. All right. Uh, I won't ask the same question about the Star Trek movies because we'll be here for another half hour. Yeah, I know. I was going to say, we could do a whole like, mini series on we'll just, putting those. Together. We'll just all agree that number two would be, the, oh, would be number one. A funny thing happened to me, though, at work today. What? This literally just, he had no idea that I was coming home to record this podcast. They'd never watched the show, but their favorite Star Trek movie. It was the one where it was the one where they go uh, to New York to save the whales, or they yeah, go to that's, California. That's four. Like, the voyage, yeah, voyage home, Star Trek. Yeah, four. yeah. That's, that's fair enough. No, that's a top movie. That's, that is nobody's favorite. That's, that's, nobody's that's Crystal's. Favorite that's Crystal's movie. favorite. Really? Yeah, she All loves right. that one. It does have a bit of a following, I, 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 and it was one of the higher grossing ones. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, don't know why, but. I guess the fact that they were running around Earth and people related more, what have you. But. It's the comedy. <laughs> the nuclear vessels and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> In Alameda? Anyway, let's move on. So I all agree that, t- that number two is the best and we'll, just, and we'll move on. So with uh, ST versus SW.net, so you've, um, you've also got uh, some other, other websites as well that all sort of sort of join in there well of course canon wars have actually uh just uh brought the blog back up i also have uh no letters home dot info which i have to say is probably my as far as the sites i have the the name just still strikes me the goal there is to have a complete rundown of all of the technical data of course uh but uh sorted other data as well from uh star wars the clone wars the uh filoni helmed uh CGI animated series. Uh, so I've got, you know, different info on geography. Uh, I think I call it galactography just to get the, uh, you know, such and such star system is such and such distance. I've got info on the, the droids, their behavior, their uh, capabilities, or in some cases lack thereof. I have info on starship weaponry the and the accuracy or inaccuracy thereof. Uh, you know, if you look at the Malevolence episodes, you'll you'll see me kind of go off the deep end on that because there's a lot of missing 
and it was a big ship. Uh, <laughs> this is my smack for you know when I have free time to just enjoy myself. Yeah. Just want to point out that NCP does not endorse smack use of any kind. Correct. <laughs> right. yeah, yes. No smack use among the uh, the listeners, please. Back on the STV DSW, you, you added some fan fiction, an actual story. Like you'd mentioned earlier, there were other sites prior to mine, some of which are still around, some not. Uh, one that is around is StarDestroyer.net, and that one is written from the perspective, at least the, in some on some of the pages, it's written from the perspective of an Imperial officer. So the fellow who came to me and wanted to do the uh, what we came to call Section 31, mm. he had written his works from the perspective of fellow in Section 31, which was the rogue Federation uh, uh, agency, kind of, you know, sort of a secret police type. It, I mean, it is fan fiction, but that's more the framing story, if you will, for the technical discussions. Have you, just, have you thought of ever doing some fan fiction of your own? I have. I actually uh, started one long ago that died on a hard drive, uh, unfortunately. When was it? It was probably, we'll call it uh, three or four years ago, I started... Uh, pondering some ideas of stuff and even from time to time i'll still uh, think about it and have an idea and jot it down and uh add it on there one of these days i'll get around to it because for some reason everybody who is involved in the topic seems to want to have uh their own little story version of how they think uh, it would or could go and i've never sat down and done that or thought it was important but i figure it would be uh, potentially entertaining at least for me <laughs> and uh just you know some people would prefer to see uh stuff like that in story form just to see get a sense of you know how it would go because i mean let's face it you know you go and i, I try to keep uh, the pages entertaining but uh, uh some people their eyes might glaze over once you start talking about gigaton this and megajoule that so mm. Your sum- but your summary page works very well for that. It's like it's basically just as a breakdown. It's like these sections, ground troops, you know, who who has the superiority and stuff like that. I think that page is excellent for the introductory person. I'll have a link to that page on the website for this post. I think it works very well. And uh, I just I just think uh, fan fiction for me, I've, I've, it's it's kind of weird. I actually, it it gets looked down upon a lot. I think and. Uh, I think it's a bit unfair. I mean, I think fan fiction is the, the perfect introduction for, for writers, like people who are, want to be writers and are just starting out. Fan fiction works really well because you've got, you don't have to do any research because research has already been done by people like yourself. And then you know, <laughs> they can work on their craft by, you know, putting, you know, putting their, their fantasy scenarios together. I think, it, I think it works well. But uh, let's do a bit of fan fiction ourselves. So we, we, on the show, we call it Contest of Champions, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll call it it's our group fan fiction. Ladies and gentlemen. Like I said at the start, we're going to do the Millennium Falcon as captained by Han Solo and Chewbacca, you'd have to assume, um, versus the Defiant as captained by Worf. What we do with Contest and Champions is uh, we generally, Bo would do one side and I would do one side and we'd basically go against each other. But I don't want to do that for this one. I want to do this as a group a group discussion. So the scenario is uh, the Millennium Falcon's flying through space. Uh, they come across the Defiant. He thinks it's a... It's an Empire ship, and he's you know he's obviously got a bit of bit of illegal cargo, so he thinks, oh, I better hide. Hides in a near, nearby nebula. There, the Defiant goes in to investigate. 
they get affected by the nebula, as, as all Federation ships do. Han, Han realises that they're affected by the, the environment of the nebula and thinks, well, bugger this, I'm going to attack. Hit it, let's go from there. <laughs> <laughs> the advantage to the nebula idea is the defiant sensors are, are just, just toast. It's even the shields. Uh, I would even say, just for the purpose of, of trying to keep a, a bit of a competitiveness to it um you know let's say the phasers don't work the the antimatter reactor which would by necessity also imply the torpedoes uh warheads don't work the thing is in open space the range issue and of course as i already touched on earlier the accuracy issue is really a killer again not in star wars's favor because with the exception of the death stars we have not seen long-range fire ship to ship yeah. Uh, in Star Wars. Whereas with Star Trek, although we do see short-range combat, uh, especially in the, the later series from time to time, we also do see the longer-range events occurring, and with, with hits actually scored. So I would think in that case, you know, the Nebula really helps because that's why they actually uh, put Star Trek II's final battle in a Nebula. They wanted to emulate the excitement of uh, Star Wars where you've got, you know, Here's one ship, here's another ship, they're exchanging fire, it's awesome. So, mm. and somebody, uh, him, somebody else, came up with a nebula as the idea to, you know, constrain the ranges. And uh, cool. so, you know, expanding on that further, we can kind of constrain some of the other potential advantages of the Defiant. Because everybody loves the Falcon versus Defiant yeah. fight in concept i don't know why it comes up so much but it does i guess it's you know the two flying hamburgers go at it and <laughs> yeah let's see if we get a whole happy meal out of this but uh, the the defiant is like you know several times larger than the falcon mm. uh, um has 25 times more people on it usually and so on and so forth so you know even just on that front even not ca- accounting for the technology you know it's kind of a lopsided yeah, how how are they on scale with each other? The Defiant, well, there are debates, but uh, I prefer the 120-meter figure. The Falcon, and again, there are debates, but it's uh, usually said to be 35 meters or so. And it's just, I mean, it's just, it has to be said that the Defiant is just far more powerful. So, it's, it's, that's, yeah. so that's, that's, why, that's why I like the Nebula idea, because it, it gives it a bit competition but uh, i do i do have to say that uh, in star trek 2 their phases still work in the nebula yeah so the defiant would still have their phases i see what he's saying though like basically whenever you watch star trek they're always using their sensors and and they basically don't even need a window and yeah. they could target just as well if not better but star wars while they they do have the scenes where they're in that little cockpit thing and they are targeting something yeah. they seem to shoot from the hip kind of you know um, <laughs> in the, in the so nebula I, the sensors don't won't work so that, so the fire is blind whereas han still has his window right yeah so han can still see the fire and the fire can't see the falcon right okay yeah, cool. i mean if it's a good soupy nebula that uh, like star trek likes to show um then yeah i mean the Defiant doesn't have a window on the bridge, right. um, unless you go into the JJ universe, and then it does. But uh, oh, we, we ignore the JJ universe on here. <laughs> oh, bless your heart. Um, <laughs> but uh, actually, it's not. No, actually, I, it's not. I actually don't even call it the JJ universe because he didn't do anything wrong except for the lens flare. It's the uh, Orky Kurtzman version, and, and they suck. <laughs> <laughs> There is a DS9 episode where, in fact, Worf ends up commanding the Defiant, 
um, against Jim Hadar vessels in a uh, gas giant, and so you have the whole you know sensors are limited and so on. So there is ah, some cool. precedent for that. Hmm. I've forgotten that episode. Okay, so so the scenario that I, as as I explained at the start is that Han has attacked. How, how do you think he would do it? Do you do you uh, go with the thought that the Falcon has missiles? Because the, 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 the Wikipedia page that I've got here says that the Falcon's equipped with lasers, which can be either manually controlled or auto-controlled by Han from the cockpit, although not as well. And then you've got... But this says here that it's actually also got torpedoes. Uh, I believe we saw those in uh, Return of the Jedi fired against the uh, Death Star 2 reactor. I believe I've seen it said somewhere that that might not be standard loadout, but, I mean, I would assume... <laughs> Han being Han, he would want to have, you know, if he had a seismic charge that he could get a hold of, he'd have that floating, uh, sitting on the hull somewhere, ready okay. to drop off. All right, uh, so we'll have, so they've got missiles. It doesn't say anything here about what their range is or anything like that. And he would have to shoot first. Yeah, exactly. Uh, not, <laughs> That's why I said that he attacks, because he shoots even, first. I didn't even realize that I was making that joke. <laughs> but <laughs> I, was just, I was just really thinking, like, I think that Worf as a character, you know, would be more diplomatic, but once he was fired on, he'd be out for blood, though. So the Falcon, yes. the Falcon sensors. Do you think because uh, in Trek, it's always they always scan the ship and they find out where the weapons are controlled from and their propulsion and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Can the Falcon do a similar thing? Can he target the weapons? I don't know that we've seen anything like that. No, I don't think we do either. I think he. Well, I think he could generally, but I don't know. I don't know if they would identify some of uh, what's on the Defiant as weapons. I mean. Uh, the four, uh, you know, phaser pulse thingies in the front, mm. um, he might, you know, recognize just as, you know, looking at them and, okay, that's probably not very polite. But, um, <laughs> you know, some of the other, uh, the standard beam phaser emplacements on around the hull, he'd have to ponder at least for a minute, which I don't know if he has a minute <laughs> in this scenario, so. Yeah. All right. So we'll say that he tries to take out the weapons, doesn't realize that where the torpedoes come out of are actual weapons as well, because they could just look like exhaust vents for all he knows. And uh, Worf just laughs in his face and target, targets <laughs> targets weapon systems. I mean, he's I mean the Falcon's weapons are pretty obvious. That's what they are. They, I mean, they're, they're sitting yeah. on top and bottom. There's these guns. I don't know where the missiles come out of, but uh, there's there's the guns. So Worf just you know, takes them out and it's pretty much game over. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how this fight goes track, on very long. Tractor beams him out of the nebula. <laughs> Tractor beams the Falcon out of the nebula. Beams over. They share a drink. Because <laughs> <laughs> manual targeting, we've seen in Star Trek, it can work fairly well. But you know, of course, it is a small target, and if you imagine you know sensors being quite an issue, I don't know that they could target uh, particular systems uh, in a low sensor environment to. He might not be able to do that in the nebula, you're right. Yeah, but with the computer, he wouldn't. But since the, the Falcon's weapons are so obvious, he just just takes a pot shot. Yeah, but the but the Falcon's also much, so much smaller, though. Yeah, that's true. I don't know that I don't know that he would get it, you know, by sight. Although he is a Klingon, and I mean, <laughs> they're probably a lot better at that than the humans are. So well, even, I mean, even if he advantage. personally, even if he personally is <laughs> not doing it, his gunner would be able to do it. That's yeah, they, that's what they. Well, I think Worf would be like, move over. <laughs> <laughs> so true. <laughs> he take it personally. 
Yeah, they, they never showed uh, on DS9 where Worf had uh, had them install the Star Trek V style, you know, comes down and, and you, you lock in at, uh, right there in the captain's chair, the gunnery seat. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Well, he, does fight, he doesn't get really upset with Riker in uh, First Contact when Riker says, nice little ship. And he's like, what? <laughs> little. Little. <laughs> Gets really upset. Uh, well, I, look, I, I mean, it's, with, without the particulars, I mean, if you guys want to throw in some particulars, I think the Defiance got it. Um, even yeah, with so. even with the senses out of action, even if it, they somehow leave the, the nebula and Han tries to make a run for it, the Defiance got him for sure. I mean, although I do think the Falcon would be faster in hyperspace, so as long as he doesn't get to jump, he's all good. It's it's all over. Yeah, on on my site, as uh, the way it currently is sitting uh, on my site. They're probably kind of even on the speed scale. However, as noted, I haven't uh, gotten everything you know from the Clone Wars all, all panned out, but there are indications that of uh, greater speed from the Clone Wars. So, yeah, in open space, if Han makes a run for it, uh, you know, I think it will be a difficult job to catch him. But um, as far as actually the fight itself, I do think the Defiant would have uh, the advantage of, of acceleration. But as far as just you know, pure maneuverability, uh, I would imagine naturally the smaller ship. But uh, you know, specifically just from from what I've seen of the maneuverability of the Falcon, you know, they would have a fighting chance to you know score more than a few hits before they're toast. Um, mm. Now, whether those hits are going to do anything is a whole other question. But we'll leave that one aside. Yeah, you know? no, well, no, I think it's important. I, I think we should leave aside. It's, I mean, in terms of maneuverability, I think the Falcon's got it. I mean, it's, I mean, Hans, you know, a great pilot, and it's smaller, and it'll be able to zip around it like a little, like a little, but it'll be more like a mosquito against an elephant. I think also <laughs> we're not taking into account, like Han himself. He he is likely to realize he's outgunned and and run. Yeah, that's you what I'm what thinking. I, mean? I think during the actual fight itself, the Falcon zips around like mad, but then realizes well, weapons aren't doing anything. I'm just gonna like war. I'll just get Worf out of here. Would never would never run. I mean, he'd no, rather well, <laughs> he would rather die. That's right. But yeah, yeah, it's never a good day to die for for Solo. No, <laughs> exactly. He's got a slave and, a slave girl princess to go see. He doesn't doesn't want to die. And if Han tries to run, unfortunately, I do think that would be the death of him because he pours it on and he thinks, you know, nobody can catch me and tries to just, you know, head off in basically a straight line. The Defiant can overtake him virtually effortlessly. Yeah. And then, as you know, as we've seen, the Falcon's no good in a tractor beam. So just slap a tractor beam on him and bang, game <laughs> over. All right, I'm going to call this for the Defiant. Yeah. Are we all, are we all in agreement that the Defiant wins it? We'll work it into uh, to some fan fiction somewhere. <laughs> there we go. And but it wouldn't be that much of a disaster. They just get together and have a laugh. I mean, it wouldn't be all that big a deal. Yeah, if I, if I ever do write a fan fiction, I'm probably going to steal the idea here. So. Oh well, it's your idea anyway. So that's fine. <laughs> 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 you can't steal what you gave to me. All right, cool. You, you, we call- you say they would have a laugh, but I think I think Han would be on his way to um, Stovacore for real, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. No, I don't. I disagree. I think. I think Wolf. Wolf would think it was pretty funny. Actually, it's like, what's this little this little thing trying to do here? It's like, it's bizarre. I mean, this ship was designed to fight the Borg. What is this little smuggler thing going to do? Because <laughs> one of my favorite Wolf scenes is from uh, an episode of uh, Next Generation called The Survivors, and uh, basically, this old guy comes out of his house with a phaser that had no. 
you know, it wasn't charged or anything. Um, it was basically just a dummy phaser for all intents and purposes, and tries to hold uh, the away team at bay, which Worf had already, you know, by tricorder identified that, you know, okay, dead phaser, whatever. After all the discussion, he's like, sir, may I say that your attempt to uh, hold the away team at bay uh, with a, a useless phaser was an act of unmitigated gall. And the guy's like, didn't fool you, did it? And Worf responds, I admire Gaul. <laughs> I think some, I think a similar statement would probably end up happening, and I think Worf would admire the 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 whole uh, the whole attempt. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, I guess that sort of leads us leads us into the concept of canons. Obviously, it's 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 a hot topic at the moment. Canon in terms of um, Star Wars, especially because of there was a bit of a bit of confusion earlier on. But Disney released a statement saying that they were going to look at everything that happens outside of the six original films, which they now, of course, own, and they're going to decide on what is and isn't canon. And uh, it caused a bit of controversy. We talked about it on the show ourselves. Um, we actually did get it slightly wrong uh, in our reporting of it. It's, it's been, there's been some clarification, clarification from the Disney side, because they don't want to cause any, cause any trouble. But basically what they're, what they're actually doing is Leland Chi, who has been in charge of the Lucas film archives for quite some time now um he was he's he originally his job was uh to basically sort of keep track of it and sort of make sure that nobody did anything really weird he was basically in charge of all that sort of stuff for quite a long time and now that disney's acquired Lucasfilm, his job is actually now to head up um the story group uh who will decide exactly what is canon from now on now that disney owns them um so in the star Wars universe canon is is split up into different levels you've got uh, they don't really have official names, but you, you, you essentially got the the G level, which stands for George, so it's the George level. So basically the six films and anything George says is true, is true. That's obviously not relevant now because he's not in charge anymore, but um, as as of up, as of this moment, this is that's the way it is. So the six films, everything that happens in the sixth film is canon, uh, and then anything that he says outside the universe is canon as well. Like, like how he introduced... Uh, like I mentioned in the other episode, how in an expanded universe story, they named the Imperial planet. He liked the name. He didn't have one originally, so he incorporated that into canon. Uh, then you had a le- sort of a lower level stuff where you had um, everything, the expanded universe type stuff. It's not exactly canon, but there's nothing to say that it wasn't, that it couldn't possibly tr- be true. So like uh, Robert mentioned before, the Clone Wars. It's Clone Wars was was created and run by Lucasfilm and uh, George had a very heavy influence on it and uh, obviously Filoni was also in charge of productions and so the Clone Wars essentially up until Disney bought the company was canon but then you had stuff like uh, the stuff that sort of got a bit of confusion whereas uh, like I mentioned with say the Force Unleashed video game um, and then you had the other stuff like that it also I mean like the Marvel the Marvel Universe um, comics the Star Wars series that came out many many years ago George loves them but they're still not canon even though George thinks they're cool. So they have clarified. So what they're doing, and which I actually think is an excellent idea, is that they've actually put Leland in charge of this story group, and they're basically going to pick and choose what they want. So they're, so they're going to... So the six films are still canon. That's fine. They're not messing with that. They don't want to cause an uproar. But now they're going to go through all of the expanded universe, which is a huge job. And they're going to decide what is or isn't canon. I actually think this is pretty cool. So this is... Um, they've announced that the, the script for Episode seven's complete, um, so that'll have you know more canon sort of stuff in it, and basically by the time the films come out, 
all Star Wars fans will know for sure exactly what is and what isn't canon. Yeah, and they, they weren't that specific in their original statement. I mean, they no. were... I understand the Internet's kind of a... Uh, I don't know if it's uproar, but the Internet's kind of response to it was 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 negative in a whole. Um, but it was because, I mean, we hadn't... They hadn't made a complete statement about, um, you know, what was going to be canon and what wasn't. It sounded like they were just blanket across the board. They can do it the hell they want. <laughs> yeah. Well, well I guess Which, in, in a sense that's, that is true. They can that's do still that. true, yeah. <laughs> that's still true. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> yeah. But I think, I think Leland's, I mean, there's no better person to head up this, this group than Leland Chi. I think, I mean, he's, he's done an excellent job. And, uh, and of course, he'll, he'll be in, in conversation with, with Disney. And, you know, if, if one of the Disney higher-ups doesn't like the fact that the children are named Jaina and Jake, and it's not going to happen. And so they'll have they'll get different names or whatever the case may be. I'm just it's just conjecture just here, but It'll I, be think, a I think Daffy it's cool. and Donald, <laughs> Mickey and Minnie. Yeah. <laughs> what do you what do you think about that, Robert? Well, in principle, of course, I mean Disney could uh, you know decide to wipe out everything, including the six films, and just go with uh, the Marvel comics where. Uh, you have the uh, peculiar bunny rabbit fellow and his ship, the rabbit's foot, uh, that most people try to forget. Was that and, Jar Jar Binks? Uh, no, that was no, no. Jackson, I believe his name was, or something like that. The rabbit's um, foot. I forgot, I forgot about the rabbit's foot. That was awesome. <laughs> um, and, of course, you know, the, the uh, uh, Star Wars holiday special will no doubt be of the highest tier. But... Um, <laughs> No, as far as, because uh, I've been trying to find as much as I can on what's going on naturally yeah. uh, for canonwars.com, but um, as far as the potential change and, and what they're doing, back in the day, uh, as Sue Rustoni and, and others have uh, have commented, they had, in Lucas licensing, where it was just uh, binders full of information, yeah. um, and then she was brought on to basically make that uh, into a digital more user-friendly, you know, searchable form, and so on. And he is the the go-to guy, or was uh, the go-to guy as far as continuity was concerned within licensing, because the the whole G canon, T canon, C canon, all that mm. that was an entry uh, method in the Holocron database itself, mainly for internal use. But he did, you know, it did get publicized, mm. and so a lot of people have uh, have really gone to town with it. Uh, as far as your description of the canon earlier that focused on that, that referred specifically to uh, the Lucas licensing canon. Because there was a distinction, uh, of course, you know, that was mostly when Lucas was around, but you know, things he did in the films and certainly things he did with uh, the Clone Wars series, he had his own ideas of what his universe was. And while licensing tried to you know, keep it cohesive insofar as, you know, trying to make sure they were following what he did. And, of course, things that he said, you know, they tried their best to uh, keep it as a, you know, co- the appearance at least of a cohesive whole. That mostly worked sometimes. Basically, you basically had two, uh, dual canons, two different canons, if you will. You had, but you had the Lucas canon, which was the films and whatnot, um, and then you did have the licensing canon. Now, with Disney taking over, you know, I don't think they're going to necessarily, uh, certainly for the films, uh, they don't want to be beholden to things that came before, so I don't see a great change 
in that regard uh, being likely. This is an ideal opportunity to, and, and, and many people have made this point, to basically reboot the EU, uh, the expanded universe uh, of the novels and comics and whatnot. But what I imagine would be the case going forward is they're going to try with the, the new story group to keep everything more or less cohesive. You've got the Dark Horse uh, side of the contract ending, and they're going over to Marvel. Stories in development, you know, games maybe in development, and other things. So, within reason. I mean, it's not like you know, yesterday it was whatever, and now everything's one cohesive whole. But uh, so it will be by the time the film comes out, though. And and I would right. say I would you're talking about expanding the universe. Like I would say that's probably more likely with Star Wars than it was with Star Trek, mm. because with the J.J. Uh, Abrams Star Trek relaunch, you know that wasn't owned by Disney. We we didn't see like a new TV show come out of it. Maybe some comic series, but not not a whole lot. Like as far as expanded universe, um, but with Star Wars being owned by Disney and they own, you know, Disney still owns Marvel, right? Yeah. So yes. I, I could totally see like a lot more coming out of this than we saw out of Star Trek. Well, they've already, I mean, they've already think, announced certain things. So it's, I mean, it's, it was inevitable that the comics would go back to Marvel. You've got uh, a yeah. new TV series in the works. You've got spin-off films. You've got Boba Fett and whatever the other ones are. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah this is going gonna, gonna to be huge, and I think that's why they want control over, over what's canon. Yeah. They've also got a, a complete section of Disneyland is going to be just wholly Star Wars. Yeah, can't wait to go to that. <laughs> That'll be sweet. <laughs> Even though the EU wasn't exactly canon anyway, people have expectations. I mean, I mean, the one that I get see quoted quite a lot is um, Heir to the Empire. And um, even though I think that book sucks, a lot to a lot of people that's, that's considered to be the continuation of the story. So they had to make it very clear that it's not so that they could then have episode seven. And which they've just, right. I mean, like, and like Carrie Fisher's just confirmed. I mean, she, not only is she in it, but both Harrison and Mark are as well, which was the worst kept secret in Hollywood. Of course they were going to be. But also, because Disney, I mean, Disney, they're not fools. They're going to, they, they know that they're going to have to introduce a younger generation. I mean, Carrie, Mark, and Harrison, as awesome as they are, they're now, they're, it's, they're a bit long in the tooth. So kids are going to see, going to want to see other kids. So they'll have to introduce a younger generation of characters. And they didn't necessarily want it to be Jaina and Jaken and little Anakin. You know what I mean? They want it, They want to be their own beast, and that's they can do that now because now that they're now now that they're saying that that doesn't exist. Oh, they will. They will. I mean, they haven't done said it yet, but I'm throwing it out there. Here's my prediction: They will officially declare that Jaina and Jaken do not exist unless they're the names they want to use for the characters. Huey, Dewey, and Huey, Dewey, and Louie. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be triplets. <laughs> My understanding of uh, episode seven, of course, is that you know it's based on basically some some notes, some outline from uh, Lucas. And given that, if that is is held to the case, uh, then I honestly would not expect to see uh, EU characters like that show up. You want to keep it consistent. You don't necessarily want to have such a divergent universe as the EU, because I mean, you could have somebody back in the day. You know, be like, hey, there's a Star Wars book. I'm going to buy it, and have absolutely no idea who anybody was. Hmm. And I mean that that was cool, and that was its own thing, and that was that was there, and it was a it was a money maker. Uh, it didn't have the popularity or or what have you of of the films, but I mean, it was there. It was cool, uh, and I think you know, based on what I've seen, they're just basically going to try to keep it a little closer 
to the films uh, and to whatever other you know media, popular media that uh, that they'll be into. I actually think it, it, they will, they'll probably most likely just keep everything that occurs in the EU before the film's timeline. They'll keep all that because they're not going to do any of that sort of stuff anyway, and they'll scrap everything that happens after Return of the Jedi. Yeah, I don't see how they could get rid of, or why they would want to get rid of the Clone Wars, for instance, um, hmm. simply because if you just say, well, we're not going to pay attention to that, well, like I was mentioning earlier, you know, that's a ton of George in there. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I think I think they'll keep Clone Wars. Right. Yeah, I think they'll keep uh, everything that happens before and in between. Oh, except maybe Shadows of the Empire, they'll probably get rid of that, but because it was boring, <laughs> but uh, the every, everything that happens after they'll get rid of because they want to forge ahead with their own their own stuff, and it would make perfect sense to do that. I think we're pretty much uh, exhausted Star Wars canon. I mean, it's it's a it's a touchy subject. It gets a lot of people quite riled, but uh, justifiably so. They, they love their stuff. They grew up with this stuff. I mean, I guess that that's uh, pretty much shown with the the Han the whole Han shoots first argument. I mean, it's, I, I remember when that happened. My God, my friends. They were ready to kill each other. It was <laughs> blood was drawn for real. <laughs> it's like no, this is this is better. No, I should have shot first. Oh my god, it was crazy. But anyway, um, I guess that's where I get my Star Wars, Star Wars fans are a bit more rabid because I saw it in action. Uh, there's supposedly there's a picture running around of George Lucas wearing a Han shot first shirt. <laughs> oh, that'd be I'm awesome. Is that a statement of canon? I have yet to decide. <laughs> There's no way. That's got to be photoshopped. He wouldn't wear one of those. He's the one that changed it. <laughs> I was going to ask earlier, whenever you were going over the different levels of canon, if, like, there's a... All right, there's G, where here's what George said, and then there's G to the second power, where here's what George redacted about what he said and then made up something new. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Because as you all, as you know, there were twelve episodes planned. I mean nine. I mean twelve. I mean nine. I mean <laughs> yeah. six. I mean there were only three. That was actually George's. But I think he actually should have done instead of one, two, and three. He should have done seven, eight, and nine while the actors were still still reasonably young, and it would all make perfect sense. And then yeah. it, then we wouldn't and, have had Phantom Menace. That so would have been good. Yep. And then Disney could have made Phantom Menace, and because it, <laughs> it feels like a Disney film anyway. <laughs> exactly. Ouch. Cannon Wars came about because there was, you know, a lot of misinformation out there. You know, when I got into the debate, the Star Trek versus Star Wars debate, a lot of what was, you know, considered admissible evidence uh, was based on the canon policies of the respective franchises, and which, you know, turned out to actually not be the case. And it's not that, you know, I'm some big Trekkie versus some being a big Warsy or whatever. I will admit that my Star Wars fandom did suffer uh, from the encounters I had with some of the more rabid variety, but um, gotten past that, I, I enjoy both. So you would say that uh, that you're you're non-biased in the debate. That is my goal. I did, you know, growing up, I, I knew Star Trek better than Star Wars. Um, you know, I knew the uh, Star Wars films. I uh, had the the. I'd flip through the Shane Johnson Star Wars technical stuff and whatnot. Uh, I wasn't a big uh, reader of the uh, expanded universe of either side, but uh, my goal on the Star Trek versus Star Wars site is to give every benefit of the doubt that I can to Star Wars simply because I know that, you know, heaven forbid I neglect to give the benefit of the doubt to Star Wars on something. 
uh, you know, I have a, a legion of, of uh, <laughs> anti-fans, uh, fans, if you will, uh, if you have heard that term, um, who will uh, give me no end of grief about it. So I'm just trying to be the actual factual guy. So that was the that was the goal there. Yeah. Let's move on to Star Trek canon. Um, it's, it's as important, I think, Star Trek canon. It's, your website, Canon Wars, you've got uh, a Star Wars section and a Star Trek section. Um, and, I, and I know also on, um, on your uh, ST versus SW.net, you're working on a, on a Spock section with the J.J. Abrams universe. So it's, 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 I, just want, I just want to talk about this a little bit because uh, I think this is fascinating. It's, with I can't the, wait to hear this. With the J.J. With the JJ Abrams Star Trek universe, which, which at the time I thought was was genius, they've they've made it so that everything that happened in the original series still counts, and that they've now diverged off onto an alternate universe, so you could have essentially the same characters but with new adventures that are, that are slightly altered because of you know the events with uh, Nero, um, and one of the things that they've done with that in in order to start, sort of sort of bridge the two universes together is Spock Prime. Now, the impression that you get from the from the, the movies, now once again, they're written by Orky and Kurtzman, who I think are the worst screenwriters in Hollywood today. So Thank you. It, it doesn't it doesn't make a it doesn't make a lot of sense. But basically the impression that they've given you is that Spock Prime is as played by Leonard Nimoy, is actually the Spock we all know and love from the original series. As, and he has travelled to this universe or is now part of this alternate universe um, and still retains the knowledge that he had of the original universe because he is the same person and is then used in very stupid scenes where he then, you know, advises the crew and stuff. It's pointless. But, um, and so then you've got the Zachary Quinto Spock version and you know, they sort of interact and all that sort of stuff. Now, um, I was fine to go with that. I mean, it, it, I thought it was a stupid idea, but I was cool with it. It's like, okay, we'll go with that. That's, that's the way it is. It was basically it was a crutch more than anything else. And... Um, I've always liked it because they can, like, that brings over the knowledge of the other universe into this one. Like, yeah, but that's, like, but that's but that actually hampers the new the new storyline. That's why I don't like it. Well, no, that, it that scene in Into me, Darkness where he actually asks him about Khan is not only yeah. is it boring, but it, is, it, but it basically takes a little bit away from the new Spock. I mean, Spock, new Spock yeah. should be smart enough to figure that out for himself. And ultimately, every single piece of information that Khan get, that, that uh, Spock Prime gives him about Khan is pointless because Khan is actually now a different person well, in this they universe. They don't even show the, but they don't even show the conversation. But what I mean is, like, take time travel for example. Like, this is kind of like a time travel story. Only they know the events that are about to unfold. So it's like. It's kind of like time travel with the prior knowledge of what's going to happen. And so, I mean, otherwise, this would have just been Wrath of Khan. Then the prior knowledge of what happened is what makes this different than Wrath of Khan. You know, I didn't want them to just remake the same movie. You but, know? They, but they essentially did just remake the same movie. How is it, how right. is it different? I mean, they still have the reactor scene. It's different, it's different because of the, the characters have the prior knowledge so they can interact differently than they would have in the other movie. And I get that some of the scenes are similar, yes, because it, it is a remake of of the other movie. Yeah. But it's it's not it's not the same. But it would have been the same if it weren't for Spock. Like Spock is the thing that interrupted the whole course of events. Oh, I disagree. In that in that universe. <laughs> 
but instead of turning into an into darkness review, what we'll do is so basically this this page that you've got, Robert, your your argument is essentially is that 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 is actually not the case. That this prime Spock is actually not the Spock from the original series. Right. Is that is that true? Yes, and, can you, can you and th- I actually just uh, you actually just gave me another point to to put on the uh, forthcoming page. Oh, because, awesome! Uh, it to Do I get a credit? Yeah. Yay! Yeah, just now. <laughs> um, it just occurred to me uh, if because you think of Khan being a different character. More than that, he has different qualities altogether. He's got this you know magic blood that heals uh, yeah. you know obviously all the cellular damage. So one wonders you know. The Khan that got trapped on uh, Seti Alpha uh, and lost his beloved wife. Uh, you would think that if he had the magic blood, well, yeah. there you go. Uh, he would have uh, not lost the wife and might not have right, been quite right. vengeful at the time. Um, so that's another little uh, tidbit to, to throw in there. But yes, the, the page um, that is going to be coming out, uh, I've shown you a preliminary version. It's, it's uh, uh, currently set up as... as as if it's going to be on uh, Star Trek versus Star Wars, which it will be, simply so that visitors understand why I don't give a care about uh, the technology of the J.J. Uh, Abrams films. <laughs> um, not the least of which, you know, I mean, the plot holes and whatnot. No, I don't think that Leonard Nimoy is playing the same character as, you know, the spot that people knew and loved from uh, the original series and uh, his... Uh, uh, guest spot on next gen and and the films of course i mean i don't think he acts the same uh at all uh, as as a character not the actor his performance is fine but the character himself you know doesn't act the same he doesn't he certainly has a lot of odd ideas about certain things that, that don't necessarily make sense and the universe itself as we're shown on trek movie um, the website, there's an interview with uh, one of the writers, and he's going into detail about how his understanding of uh, quantum mechanics and whatnot is that, you know, Spock could go back into the past and create a parallel timeline. Well, Star Trek has never had parallel timelines. Every It's had parallel universes, you know, from mirror, mirror on down the line, but it's never had parallel timelines. Anytime uh, somebody goes into the past, the risk is that they're going to screw up the timeline and their future, as they knew it, will cease to exist, not be hard to get back to or what have you, but straight up cease to exist. So as a result... You know, he's tried to introduce this idea of parallel timelines, but as far as the Star Trek lore is concerned, uh, that shouldn't be the case. And he, you know, equates it, you know, oh, this is quantum mechanics, this is how it works. I'm not familiar with that particular aspect of quantum mechanics uh, myself. Uh, certainly there's not a whole lot of uh, time travel in quantum mechanics, to my knowledge, anyway. But um, that's a good point, because there, I never even thought about that. But there is a lot of time travel stories in Star Trek, and none of them react the way that it does in this movie. I ne- I ne- that never even crossed my mind, honestly. Oh, we've blown certain, your mind, Bo. There's even a certain <laughs> faction of the Federation that deals in, you know, temporal mechanics. Like, yeah. right. it's, it's, you know, in, they wouldn't exist if just going back in time caused another universe. Hmm. I like yeah, cause it. I like where you're going. <laughs> If all it's doing is causing some other universe to exist, then, you know, you can go back and forth as you see fit, as long as you can get back to where you, you know, meant to be. In Star Trek, there is one timeline per universe. 
you know, if I go into the mirror universe and then go back in time in the mirror universe and uh, prevent Kirk from getting that uh, blue zappy thing that he used to kill people, then he might not become captain of the Enterprise. But that doesn't affect the prime universe. That just that just affects the mirror Kirk and the mirror universe. Yeah, and it's still that same universe. So if I then go back to my universe through transporter manipulation or what have you. Um, I'm in my universe, it's fine, and I then go back to the same mirror universe, well, it's the one where I went and screwed with uh, uh, the timeline. Hmm. So that's the basic take on it that I have. Now, there are a number of other details uh, that are strange in the J.J. films that uh, kind of help bolster this point. For instance, uh, I mentioned also the, the Stardate system yeah. is totally different. It is, Genesis, I noticed that, yeah. It, yeah, um, the and it's not that the star dates on the Federation ships of the twenty third century are given differently, but the jellyfish weird whatever Vulcan ship itself reports star dates in that fashion. Hmm. And uh, I go into you know reasons why that really ought not be the case. And uh, but the fact that it does implies, to me at least, whatever caused a change in in their calendar system or reporting system uh, going away from random well not random but uh, star dates that don't necessarily make gregorian calendar sense to the the systems that they were using in the next generation or the original series or what have you that also is you know being done where spock and nero came from mm. well that's not my universe no, exactly. So, some of my fa- some of my favorite bits from that article are that why did the Federation not help? If, if that's I mean, base, Nero basically says that the only people that were helping were the Vulcans, and they failed essentially. Kirk, uh, Spock fails in his mission, and so Romulus gets destroyed. Now, it's, why why are the Federation not doing anything? It's ridiculous. It doesn't make any any sense at all. Um, and, but that's more of a storyline thing, I suppose. But in terms of 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 why further proof to why Spock is not who he is, is why does Spock not do anything when he actually comes into this universe where he basically just yeah. sits, he just sits on that ice planet, does nothing when really, let's face it, he could have done something. This is Spock we're talking about here. Um, there's that. And also why is he so insistent that this Kirk who has got no life experience of any kind? I mean, he's a brat from start to finish. Why is he so insistent that he must be on the enterprise as captain? Exactly. This Kirk that he meets is not the same guy that he knew. He's That's right. Younger because of the destruction of the Calvin just changes all that. Right, and it doesn't make sense certainly in the context of any Star Trek episode that we've seen that involves time travel where something goes awry. We never see them go. Oh well, that sucks. Um, <laughs> I guess we should make camp here, or I guess we should uh, you know find a way to not. Uh, I, I don't know. We're just going to go chill over here. No, they go. You know, guns are blazing, and try to clean house uh, if guns are required. All that women step in front of cars or in tra- in traffic. Uh, uh, well, they, I mean, well they, exactly. The rule would be the Federation rule would be that if they found themselves back in time, that they would not touch the timeline because they didn't want things to go awry. Like Cisco uh, went back in time and almost was willing to just live out his the rest of his life to not disrupt. Uh, the timeline. Then it turns out there was some weird temporal mechanics where he actually, because he went back in time and changed something, it was always meant to happen that way. Because he went 
he was in the history books after after that episode. Right. I don't remember that. I don't remember the details of that episode except for I remember it happening. Yeah, past uh, tense uh, parts one and two, um, and <laughs> a awesome. pure transporter accident throws him back. And uh, doesn't he become doesn't he become a rider or something? Means that a temporal focal point uh, person, kind of like you know Edith Keeler getting hit by the truck, yeah. um, another person of similar uh, importance. Uh, ends up being killed, and Cisco has to assume his identity. But in that episode also, uh, the Defiant crew, which is where the transport uh, accident occurred, they realize that they can recreate it um, and try to get him back, and the Federation says, ooh, no, that's too risky. Of course, then the timeline changes, yeah. and the Defiant is protected from the timeline change, and they're sitting there looking around. There's no Federation uh, at, at Earth anymore. So they're like, oh, okay, well, we can just do it anyway, because... Yeah, <laughs> there's nobody to tell us. No, that's, that's, that's awesome. your single timeline theory, though. I mean, that that definitely exactly. goes into that. Yeah, it, it, if uh, if it wasn't the case, then it wouldn't matter if you know some focal point died or didn't. Another point, you know, if you go back uh, and screw up Kirk, which is exactly what we see in that film, you get a scenario where all the changes that they have made in the past that it doesn't just ripple forward. Because time travel exists, and with the single timeline that we've seen, it would have to ripple backward, too. Now, of course, the response would be, well, there's parallel timelines, but, again, we've never seen those in Star Trek before. That, mm. And, in fact, that whole idea totally counteracts and, a number of episodes. Even if we had, like, even if this was a parallel, the progression up to this point should be the same. So, like we mentioned and uh, in Star Trek Four. You know, Kirk goes back in time. Well, be- because of this screw up, even if this were another universe, then the progression is different because he never went back in time to save the whales. So, in in this sideways universe, uh, that's kind of a lost term. But in this parallel universe, like, is you know, are are there any whales? You know, like, did that never happen? <laughs> exactly. So, because Kirk's timeline is different, that doesn't just matter from this point into the future, because Kirk went back in time and set certain things straight. And he set th- certain things in motion um, hmm. that caused other people to go back in time previous um, to you know the first J.J. Abrams movie. Then that screws up the timeline even in the past. Right. Um, so, that, so so basically, so, you're saying that everything everything that happens before the Calvin gets destroyed and Nero shows up is still not the universe that we know and love. Exactly. Anyway. Yeah, it's still it an al- it's yeah. still an alternative universe. Right. Correct. Yeah. And so that Spock Prime in their universe is not is not the same. Spock from the Calvin being de- the Calvin being destroyed universe, but it's still not the st- same Spock from our universe either. He's actually sort of an amalgamation so, of two other universes. So I think here's the interesting part of the theory that I want to get into is is Robert. Who who do you think that this Kirk is? If not if not the the Spock that we know. Spock. Sorry, 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 sorry. You're good. Um, <laughs> the simplest idea is that he is simply. The Spock from the same basic universe as uh, was already there for the Kelvin or what have you. Basically, a resident of the black hole universe to begin with. Ah. I don't think the JJ universe really has much of anything to do with uh, the Prime universe. And I think, honestly, that they should have gone that way with it. Because trying to do it the way they did it, I mean... You know, they could just have not done that, and then you wouldn't have the Leonard Nimoy uh, actor's welfare check come in for Into Darkness. Um, 
because that was totally not necessary at all. Yay! And, uh, I'm glad you two agree on that. Um, so yeah, I don't think that uh, that is, as I say, our Spock. As as noted, I mean, there's there's a ton of things that he could have and should have done uh, if he were. Uh, his behavior was totally different. Yes, yeah, so I'm I'm with it. So basically, we're saying that the Calvin, where the Calvin comes from, is not our is not our Star Trek, and the universe where Nero comes from is not our Star Trek either. They're actually two right. completely separate universes. No, but I mean, Spock explains it in the beginning of the first movie about how you know he he's created this parallel timeline. So, I mean, yeah, like, but he's created, you, but he's created, think that? but he's created a parallel from the universe that he comes from. There's at no point, and, at no point in the film does it actually specifically say that he's the Spock from the Star Trek that we know and love and grew up with. It's possible I to believe that he's actually completely different. I think it's different. pretty implied, though. It is implied. Oh, I, I agree with you. I agree. Up until this conversation, I would have said that he definitely was. But now I'm seeing you know, other possibilities. I mean, I think it's implied that he thinks he is. I, I thought this was going to lead to... So I thought this theory was going to lead to that he was, he was some sort of... Maybe he is from the mirror universe. Like maybe he <laughs> he is like evil Spock. <laughs> but then he would have he would have had a goatee. Where was he, Where's his goatee? Yeah, I was gonna make that joke. Oh, sorry, oh, dude. beat me to it. I was gonna make that joke. Uh, but no, like like what if this is you know mischievous or like this is intentionally like he's intentionally screwing up the timeline <gasps> and they're gotcha. just, they're trusting him because they believe that he's. He's Spock. That's that's where I thought this was going. Which is why, which is why he desperately wants the incompetent Kirk as captain of the Enterprise because he knows he's hopeless. I was thinking, like, what Just if the third movie? What if? No, what see, if, see, my theory was entirely more boring than anything you could possibly come up with. <laughs> <laughs> like, what if the third movie they incorporate all of this? Like the third movie, they re, the the villain is Leonard Nimoy, and like. They incorporate this whole story like you've all been like on a ruse this whole time. Like that's awesome. Like, I'm the mirror universe, Spock. I just shaved the goatee. So I finally figured out that that's the way to, to disguise myself, and I I'm screwing up the real universe. Oh God, we're calling we're calling it. We've called it. You've heard it here first on NCP. We've that's the plot Damn. of three. And even if I, it isn't, I, that's what it should be. You remember what Pee Wee Herman was caught doing in a theater? I would probably do the same thing in a theater if that's what happened in the movie. And on that note, we're going to wrap it up. <laughs> Things to do in the theater. Well, Robert, I just want to say thank you very much for uh, joining us on, as our special guest. It's been a very stimulating conversation. So so this is the climax of the episode, if you will. Yeah. Um, and you talk about it being stimulating right after that. It's... Uh, too much juxtaposition here I'm a little concerned <laughs> or aroused I haven't decided which <laughs> well thank you very much man and uh, all, all the best with the, the website like I said I've been, I've been checking it out for years so uh, um, I'll, I'll, I'll continue to check it out and uh, I can't wait to see my, my uh, idea on the page it's going to be awesome and all the best with everything else that you do I hope you, you follow along with us and um, again Absolutely. Thank, you, thank you very much for joining us Thank you. All right, well, that's uh, that's it for me and uh, Yan Bo. You know, last thing I heard, J.J. Abrams was reading Fifty Shades of Grey, so I have no idea where this movie's going. <laughs> Maybe it won't be inappropriate to uh, do the Pee Wee Herman in the theatre. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Play with the Pee Wee. God, <laughs> where have we gone? This is a serious discussion up until this point. <laughs>
right, that's it for episode 76. Thank you very much and goodbye. Bye.